Do the foods in your deficit make you feel miserable as fuck? Are you left constantly feeling disappointed by everything you eat? What if I told you there was a way to feel full and satisfied during a deficit phase? Because there is, and it's backed by research. So strap in, because in today's episode, we're going to transform the way you think and feel about your food in a deficit. Let's go. Are you a gym baddie committed to leveling up in all areas through health and fitness? This podcast is for you. Hi, hello. My name is Danika. I'm an online coach, personal trainer, and your host of Fit Chit Chat. I help women just like you stop spinning your wheels with a no BS approach so you can reshape your body, feel your strongest yet, and create confidence that is authentic to you. Together, we'll delve into all the topics that matter, how to maximize your progress in the gym, make nutrition a no-brainer, and streamline the process to make achieving goals simple. You are guaranteed to leave feeling educated, entertained, and empowered to become your baddest damn self. Hi, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Fit Chit Chat podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about nutrition in a deficit phase, and there is a big mistake you're making with your food when dieting. It's really common for a lot of women um, that I speak with to feel really uh, underwhelmed, disappointed, unsatisfied, frustrated even with the foods that they're consuming throughout a deficit phase. It feels like this really hard grind slog to like still be eating the foods that they're eating. They're constantly thinking about other foods that are going on and around the foods that you see advertised, the foods you see your friends eating, the stuff that you see when you scroll on social media. We're so consumed by food all around us rather than the food that we're actually eating. And there is a way to transform the way you think and feel about your food in a deficit phase to leave you actually feeling full and satisfied. So this is going to be a great episode. I wish I'd done this. I wish I knew all this stuff when I was competing in bodybuilding comps when we're going to talk about like the peak of dieting. That's the peak of dieting. And I guess I had the motivation of a comp in front of me to help me get through. But if I had these skills, tools, this knowledge at that point in time, maybe things would have been a little bit easier. And I'm absolutely going to be using these inside of my next deficit phase whenever that occurs. So let's talk about it. The reason I wanted to do this podcast episode is based on a book that I'm actually reading at the moment. It's called The Expectation Effect. It's by David Robson. He is, uh, I want to say like a, what's he called? I've got the book in front of me. I should know what it is. Hmm. What is he? He is a science guy. (laughs) He is like a researcher. He is, I've completely butchered this introduction about him, but let's get to the real thing. Oh, here we go. It says an award-winning science journalist. That's what I was thinking of, science journalist. Um, So his book is essentially talking about the expectation effect, which is the power of your mind in a nutshell. So This is like not woo-woo. It's not about like manifestation and like wishful thinking and all of that sort of stuff. This is like legitimate, proven by science, by research, by studies that these things actually work and these things actually exist. I'll give you some examples in this book. He talks about the power of the mind when it comes to medicine. So people literally taking a placebo drug, so a drug that doesn't have any active ingredients and shouldn't necessarily be helping at all. But by the power of the mind, these people either knowing they're taking the uh, the placebo or not knowing they're taking the placebo and both parties still getting improvements in their symptoms and in their problems. Isn't that super interesting, right? Even if you're taking a drug that actually will do nothing for you. There's also in in more of like the negative context, it's like he gives some examples about 
people who were misdiagnosed with cancer or something quite extreme and told they only have three months to live. And yep, sure enough, in three months they died only for them to realize that this person had no trace of cancer in their system. It was a, it was a wrong diagnosis. So why the hell did they die? They had no reason to, but because they like knew in their, in their mind, they believed it to be true. So it kind of happened. Their body followed suit. Like it's really strange. There's other ones where they talk about uh, kind of like waves of hysteria or a widespread pandemic amongst these teenagers. I can't remember what country it was, but essentially all these teenagers were captivated by a TV show where one of the teenagers had some illness and they were really stricken by it, etc. And then all of a sudden, all of these teenagers in real life started coming down with the same symptoms of this make-believe disease. And it wasn't until it was like a widespread, all these kids were getting knocked out with this sickness and these symptoms before they realized it was literally like they had been brainwashed from watching this TV show. They had convinced themselves that this existed. So some really interesting stuff in terms of like health, medicines, etc. It also talks about the power of the mind in sports. So people who were believing that they were taking steroids or any sort of performance enhancement drug and doing better than they had ever done breaking records, setting PBs, doing all these things because they believed that they were taking an enhanced substance only to later find out that they weren't. They were either being injected with like a saline solution, such as salt or some sort of, again, placebo pill that they were taking to the point that they convinced themselves of this. Even people who grew more muscle because again, were convinced that they were taking an enhancement. So some really interesting stuff. And of course, inevitably based around this podcast, he also talks about the power of the mind when it comes to food. So let's talk about this. What I see as being a massive mistake that women make when it comes to dieting is making their food as miserable and as bland as fucking possible. It's almost as if you're making it harder than it needs to be. It's like it, it's like you're making your food really miserable as a sign of like suffering and that deficits need to be really difficult. And they don't have to be. You kind of are putting it in a place of like a badge of honor. If we think about it that way, it's like, oh, if my food's really yucky and I'm not enjoying it, then that means I'm doing something right. That means that, you know, my deficit's harder. Therefore, I'm going to get better results. If the deficit was easy, you would almost feel that you don't deserve the results or that something isn't working. But it doesn't need to be that way. In fact, that could actually be counteractive to what you're achieving. Uh, trying to achieve. It could be shooting yourself in the foot. It could be setting you up for not the result that you're looking for, less weight loss, less fat loss. So we need to stop stripping out all of your favorite foods from your diet. Okay. We need to be considering in foods that you love, foods that make you feel satisfied, foods that feel still indulgent to you. He goes into this book to talk about like certain studies that have occurred and how, you know, one group was eating a piece of cake and thinking about it as being like, sinful and wrong and a bad food and all these negative things. And that study group end up going on to like gain weight where there was another group that's considered eating cake as like a celebration and fun and, you know, part of life and all this. And that group end up losing weight, like some crazy studies in here. But, um, again, the power of the mind and how maybe your behaviors around certain foods are going to make you do other things as well in conjunction. Obviously, eating that specific piece of cake wasn't the reason they lost weight or gained weight, but the power of the mind and the way that you believe things and the way that you see things can play a massive, massive part in it. Going back to when I was talking about like stripping out all your healthy foods, I often see women 
replacing those favorite foods with like the quote unquote healthy or, or clean, I say that with like bunny ears, version of foods. I'm sure we've all been there. I know I've done it a million times where you've made like a healthier version of something, like a homemade donut as opposed to eating the real thing because you're like, I'm in a deficit, trying to you know reduce calories. I can't have the real thing. So I'm going to make some homemade donuts. But we all know like a homemade version or a clean or healthy um, quotation marks version of a food often doesn't hit the spot the same. And you might need more and more and more of that version to try and get some sort of satisfaction from it. You might just end up eating the same amount of calories and it's still not as satisfying as if you went and had the real thing. So making the healthy and clean version doesn't always give us that same satisfaction. So what could you do? You could have the same thing, right? You could have the actual real thing and feel better about it and feel more satisfied and full. But I'll get into that in a second. Talking about eating like more and more and more of that healthier food, trying to fill yourself up, trying to feel satisfied. In a diet, I know we talk about like eating lots of volume foods to help us feel full, but if that volume food, that volume meal is boring as fuck, you often end up feeling still hungry after you've eaten that because mentally it was so unsatisfying and so boring. You feel like you've eaten nothing at all. Have you ever been in that situation where like you're eating something and you're already thinking about the next thing you're going to eat because the thing that you're currently putting into your mouth isn't hitting the spot, isn't filling any sort of reward, isn't necessarily filling your, your hunger or your satisfaction levels. We've, I've, I've been there. Like you're eating something and it's literally the shittest thing in the world. And you're like, fuck, I'm so resentful to this food that I'm eating right now. The worst thing you can do is eat something so depressingly boring that it leaves you unsatisfied and almost frustrated and resentful at the deficit that you're voluntarily and privileged enough to be able to do. So when he talks about the research in this book, it's like the research suggests that flavor and texture are probably even more important in a deficit phase to help create that sense of indulgence that helps increase our satiety. So feeling more satisfied from the the meal, but also helps with like the hormonal response to the food. In other words, feeling more full and more satisfied than you were previously. Think about it this way. We talk about leptin and ghrelin being your hunger and your fullness hormones. They are somewhat like flexible, they can be interpreted differently. So if we think about it this way, if I gave you a burger, that would probably be super tasty, super, super like satisfying. You would probably feel really full, really happy with that meal and move on with your day. What if I took that same burger and put it in a blender? If I blended up that exact same burger and gave it to you, how would you feel post meal? Say you didn't even know it was a burger. Say you actually were just given this bowl of sludge and you were eating it. You would feel probably not only disgusted by it, but probably really like unsatisfied. It wouldn't be hitting the spot. You're not eating it going, "Mm, this burger is amazing. You're going, what the hell is this bowl of sludge that Danica has given me? But if we look at the things objectively, the whole burger versus the blended burger are exactly the same. Same ingredients, should be the same taste should be the same uh, amount of calories. That's really important to consider, right? But the way that you feel about that meal was going to be completely different. So what can we do? 
Because we've obviously spoken about how eating the bland foods or foods that you don't enjoy are only setting you up for failure in your deficit phase. I know, I know, I know we need to be eating voluminous foods. We need to be eating high nutrient dense foods, all of these things as well. And yes, I'm not saying don't tick off those boxes. I'm saying tick those off and eat in a way that makes you feel really satisfied and full and balanced. So what can you do? I would really strongly consider adding in some things into your meal that are actually really satisfying because those small amounts of extra calories that you're adding in, yes, it's extra calories that will add up towards, you know, the deficit budget that you're trying to stay with within, but the long-term effects are probably going to be more pros than cons. Sure, it's a couple hundred calories that maybe you can't consume later in the day for something else. But the long-term effect means that you're not as hungry afterwards or as quickly. You're probably going to snack less during the day because you're more satisfied by that meal. So mentally, you feel more satisfied and full for longer. So keep your favorite foods in as well. Actually, let me go back. I'll give you some examples when I say add some extra calories in. I, this week, was making salads for my lunch and I had tuna and all these things in there. And if you look at that objectively, a tuna salad is quite a low calorie meal. Like there's nothing crazy going on. But I added in little bits of things that were like really salty and really sweet um, and super like to me indulgent and exciting to make that meal feel so much more calorie dense than it was. I added in some feta. Realistically, it was like 20, 25 grams of feta. I added in some beetroot. I fucking love beetroot. And you know that flavor combo of beetroot, like super sweet and juicy to like the salty crumbly feta. Mm, That is insane. Like amazing, right? That I had some pickles in there for some extra salt. I love, freaking love pickles. But you see what I'm getting at? Like a little couple hundred calories of that sort of thing in something that is maybe a little bit more mundane made it go so much further. And I could stay within like a set amount of calories. That's an easy deficit meal. But the, the, the satisfaction level of that meal is so much higher than if it wasn't with feta and beetroot and pickles, right? Um, I'm trying to think of another example that you could do with that with. Even just like some sugar-free syrups and things like that can go a long way. Um, or even the full fat version, if you have a little bit of it and it feels much better for you. Because I know some people don't like the sugar-free versions of certain things and they're super underwhelming. Um, maybe we look at when you're having, actually, I could give you an example of something I did this morning as well. I had one of those Chobani Fit flavored yogurts, the banana one, which to me already tastes like banana lollies. So fucking yum, but they're less than hundred calories. And all I did was put some peanut butter on top and a little bit of like sugar-free chocolate syrup. That was actually tasty as hell. I felt super satisfied from it. It was so yum. And it was like, just over 200 calories if you're lucky. You don't need to remove all of your favorite foods. Maybe you won't get the quantity that you want. You're not going to be able to sit down and eat a whole block of chocolate, but maybe you actually still consider adding in chocolate every night. Not making the healthy version, not buying the protein fucking chocolates that I'm seeing everywhere, but buying the ones that you actually love. Because if you've got something to look forward to throughout your day as well, you're going to be so less influenced or tempted or distracted by all the other foods that are going on around you, whether that be people in your life, the things that you see when you're scrolling, whether that be advertisements on a billboard or on the side of a bus. If you're actually enjoying the food that you're consuming, then you're not going to be tempted to swing out of your calorie allowance. 
So including your favorite foods is super important. Still have your cake, still have your chocolate, still have your donuts, do whatever it is that you want, but make sure it's obviously within your budget. Now, the, now I'm going to throw this one in at the end, and it's really important to make sure that even when you are eating your favorite food, you're getting the full effect of the satiety and the fullness. That is, stop eating in front of a TV or in front of your phone or any sort of distraction. How often have you sat down to watch a movie eating like popcorn or chips or chocolate or something and all of a sudden it's gone and you don't even remember having any and you're like, oh, that was yum, but I wish I had more, even though you just had a whole bag of something because you're not tuned into what's going on. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this kind of test about really locking in and being present and they use the example of a lemon, like sit down, eat a lemon. Oh, it's not a lemon. Lemon's the one for like thought response, isn't it? You could do this with anything really. Let's go to a chocolate. If you had a mini chocolate bar and you sat down and savored it and really were like super present with it, you smelt it, you touched it, like you squished it between your fingers, you licked it a little bit, you broke it in half, you smelt it again, blah, blah, blah. Like you ate a little bit, you bit a bit off, you let it melt in your mouth, you let the chocolate roll around in your mouth, you moved your tongue across it before you swallowed that first mouthful. One mouthful of chocolate would be probably 20 times more satisfying than eating a whole block of chocolate in front of a movie that you don't remember. So if we get you away from eating in front of a TV, away from eating in front of your phone, you're probably going to enjoy those meals a hell of a lot more. And that indulgence, that satisfaction is going to be so much higher. So when you are consuming your favorite foods and when you are keeping in the foods that you love, Make sure you're doing it in a way that you are really like honoring that moment and you're really in line with it. I often think about like the French who obviously consume a lot of pastries, a lot of what we would consider indulgent, decadent foods, high calorie foods. Don't they have like a coffee and a pastry for breakfast every day? Yet the obesity level in France is probably not what it is in, you know, Australia or America because they consider it part of their daily routine. Like it's something that they have every day. So they're less likely to over consume that food. They're less likely to go crazy for it or feel restricted or any of those sorts of things. So, and being really present with that is super important as well. So I want to leave you with that one. Let's wrap up this podcast, essentially talking about how we can transition your diet food from being super underwhelming and unsatisfying to something that feels really fun, excitable and enjoyable for you even though that might seem super counterintuitive to what you think and feel a deficit phase should be. Just because you suffered more in your dieting phase doesn't mean you deserve or will get better results. You need to do something that feels like it's sustainable to a certain extent. You're obviously not going to be in a deficit forever. That's not the point of it. It doesn't need to be lifetime sustainability, but you need to be able to sustain it for the duration of your deficit phase. And if we can make things feel simple and easier, then why the fuck wouldn't we? And the few things that we spoke about inside of this episode, like adding an extra couple of hundred calories into your meals can help with that by eating and being really present when you eat can help with that. Adding in extra textures to your meals. So maybe a bit of crunch, a bit of I'll say wetness, a bit of crunch, a bit of smoothness, a little bit more density, some things that are light and fluffy, get a bit of a combination of things going can really help with that. These are the ways that you're going to feel more satisfied and more feel 
throughout your deficit phase. Just remember, eating something that makes you feel so depressingly bored is going to make you almost resentful to the deficit. So let's not do that. Let's have a super successful dieting phase. All right, that is it from me. If you guys have taken something away from this or something that you're going to try and implement, absolutely send me a message on Instagram. I'd love to hear about it. Also, if you think this episode is going to help someone else in your life, share it with them, share it to Instagram story and tag me in it. I would love to see it. I'll actually link and note the book in the show notes. So if you want to read this for yourself, you absolutely can. And until I talk to you next week, have an incredible week. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Fit Chit Chat. I have three things for you. One, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single drop. Two, share this episode on your social media and tag me in it. And three, follow me on Instagram and slide into my DMs. Let me know what resonated with you. Details in the show notes. And until next week, goodbye.